1: This episode contains disturbing content, including mention of animal cruelty. Please take care while listening. On February 6th, 2018, 27-year-old Lindsay Reichard was at the barn. The barn was normally a place where Lindsay felt peaceful, a sanctuary. But today, she felt uneasy. There was a pit in her stomach. Just one week earlier, Lindsay had made the difficult decision to rehome her horse, Willie. She'd had him since
2: childhood. It got to the point where I knew what Willie needed that I wouldn't be able to provide from him anymore.
1: Lindsay put an ad out for Willie. And a day later, she got a response from a woman named Fallon Blackwood. Fallon was close in age to Lindsay, an avid horse person and she was looking for a horse, just like Willie.
2: And I was just thinking, of, wow, this this feels really good. This is going to be a great choice. She's in vet school.
1: Within a few days of Willie leaving for his new home with Fallon, Lindsay was missing him. She reached out to Fallon to check in.
2: Hey, Fallon. How's Willie doing? Can you send a picture? And I didn't hear anything back.
1: Fallon knew that Lindsay cared deeply for her horse, Willie. Lindsay had been in tears on the day Willie left. But Fallon reassured her, promising to send photos and updates on how Willie was acclimating to his new home.
2: I said, you know, it's just really strange. She's been really quick to communicate. You know, she lives with her horses at home. I just don't understand how hard it is to send a photo of him.
1: It just didn't make sense. But Fallon had signed a contract with Lindsay. And on that contract was her address.
2: And so for the heck of it, I pulled up our handwritten contract, and I plugged her address into Google Earth, and there was no barn there. And that's when my stomach sank, and I was like, holy shit, like, something is really wrong. All
1: of these thoughts were racing through Lindsay's mind when her friend Elizabeth arrived at the barn on the morning of February 6th, 2018.
3: She came in and she was kind of out of sorts and upset. And I, you know, asked her what was going on. And she started telling me that she had rehomed Willie with this girl named Fallon Blackwood and that she was a vet student and that she had come and picked him up and everything. And they had been in communication. But since Fallon had come to get him, the communication had become very poor.
2: And I'm telling her about it. And I'm just saying, you know, my my gut just doesn't feel right. Something's wrong. And she said, what's her name?
1: Elizabeth is in a few horse rescue-related private Facebook groups. So when Lindsay expressed her concern with Willie's new home, Elizabeth decided to run a search for the name Fallon Blackwood. And I just
3: happened to think to myself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up this name. And it, it's a
1: private Facebook group. And I just went in and plugged in the name and it popped up. Lindsay watched as Elizabeth read through the conversation happening in the Facebook group about Fallon Blackwood. Before Elizabeth could say anything, her facial expression made one thing clear. This was not good news. And
3: everything that transpired after that um, was pretty surreal.
1: For Lindsay, what started off as an individual betrayal quickly grew, spanning across state lines, connecting her to a web of other victims who had suffered at the hands of the same woman, a woman they'd all trusted with something deeply important to them, their horses.
2: And we would be like going through the names and like piecing together clues. And at one point, my apartment looked like A freaking detective's office. I had papers and names and string and sticky notes and like connecting the dots. Like I was obsessed. From
1: Cast Media, this is The Opportunist. This is Fallon Blackwood, A Double Life, a story told in one episode. I'm Hannah Smith. We would love it if you took a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and Apple Podcasts, and if you have a suggestion for the show, an opportunist that you want to hear us cover, you can write it in your review, and we will see it. Thanks so much.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun— Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba. Lindsay grew
1: up in Connecticut. As a child and through adolescence, she spent every moment she could at a riding stable by her parents' house, where she took lessons and helped care for the horses. Lindsay's not from a family of horse people. She was the only one.
2: Through all my years of riding, my parents were always very supportive of my riding lessons. Granted, as soon as I could get a job, I was working and paying for whatever I could. But owning a horse was never in the cards. They were too expensive. It was too much of a commitment. Um, my parents were just not going to do that. And I was, you know, obviously, as a horse lover, you dream of owning your own horse someday. Lindsay's family did not live
1: on a big property where she could keep a horse, which meant if she owned a horse, she'd have to board it somewhere, which is expensive. Full care board typically consists of twice daily feeding and stall cleaning. But when it comes to the cost of horse ownership,
2: that's just the beginning. For instance, probably... A barn that I would board at would be at least a $1,000 a month. Now, that's not including if I was to give the horse supplements or a horse medication That does include the farrier, which is the person who does the horse's feet, whether they're barefoot and they get a trim or they have shoes and get shod. Then you're looking at yearly vaccinations. Um, You're looking at if your horse is an athlete, they're probably getting chiropractor, acupuncture, massage therapy. Then you're looking at your equipment. Um, How much does your equipment cost? Riding horses can also
1: be dangerous. In 2006, when Lindsay was just 17 years old, she almost stopped riding completely.
2: I had just had several riding accidents back-to-back and was feeling pretty discouraged. I was just really frustrated and deflated.
1: Lindsay's trainer noticed this change in her. So, when she came across a horse that she thought would be perfect for Lindsay, she brought up the idea to Lindsay's parents. What if they bought Lindsay a horse?
2: So at this kind of pivotal point where I was ready to throw in the towel, um, my trainer at the time approached my parents and said she had found this horse that was green, and green meaning kind of young and a little bit untrained, that might be a great partner for me, that he was goofy and he'd be a project, and if they wanted to consider looking at him.
1: To buy Lindsay a horse was financially a big undertaking for her parents. But after speaking with her trainer, they decided to make it work. Usually when you're purchasing a horse, you look at more than one. And if you find one that you think might be a match, you take it home on a trial. But when Lindsay saw Willie for the first time, she immediately knew this was her horse.
2: Because my parents had never considered buying me my own horse. I was like, this is my opportunity. I need to say, yes, this this is my horse. And just like that, Lindsay's
1: dream came true. She had her own horse. But Willie was rough around the edges.
2: Our progress was very slow. We had a couple of unfortunate uh, speed bumps, a lot of injuries. It it always felt like with Willie and I, it was always two steps forward, ten steps back.
1: Willie challenged Lindsay. He made her a better rider. And with Lindsay's consistent training, Willie became a more confident horse. They shared an incredible bond.
2: And I was just like, I'll never give up on you. Like, we're going to do this together. And I was, you know, committed to him. Um, and I think that's where a lot of this hurts, because I feel like I failed him. Lindsay brought
1: her horse, Willie, to college with her at Savannah College of Art and Design, she graduated with a degree in equestrian studies and a minor in equine business management. And after graduating in 2012, she started work as an assistant trainer. Willie was always by her side. Then, in the fall of 2017, Lindsay and her boyfriend, now husband, got some life-changing news.
2: Well, we found out we were pregnant, and because we were sort of this in-between job state, neither of us had health insurance, we are like, holy Cow, we need to grow up fast. Part of the need to find him a home was number one, I couldn't afford him. I was pregnant. We needed health insurance. I needed to have a doctor. I needed to figure out where I was going to give birth. And the barn he was at was actually changing hands. And we needed to be out by, I believe, the beginning of February. By this time in Willie's life, he was no longer
1: writable. He'd been suffering from arthritis, so Lindsay was paying for medication and extra vet bills on top of Willie's normal expenses. She loved Willie, and she didn't care about the cost, but the reality of her situation would make it impossible for her to continue affording his care.
2: I honestly, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, and I was asking around, and my options were finding him A retirement home somewhere. But yes, there are places that offer a retirement board, but that was something that financially I wasn't able to do.
1: For those of us who aren't familiar with the horse world, buying, selling, and rehoming horses, even a horse you've had for years, is pretty typical. Part of this stems from the fact that most horses are owned with the purpose of riding them. And part of it is that their care is very expensive. Horses can live well into their 30s. So oftentimes, when someone has an unridable horse and can no longer afford their care, they will look for someone who could take the horse on as a companion for another horse. Horses are herd animals and typically enjoy
2: the company of other horses. So really, my only route was to find a free home for him where he could be a companion horse or someone's pet, essentially.
1: When Lindsay put an ad out for Willie, that is what she was looking for.
2: I created a post, and I put it on Facebook and Craigslist. Um, I put that out on January 24th, 2018. Lindsay still has a copy of that Craigslist post, and she read it for me. I'm searching for a forever home for my early retired horse, Willie. Unfortunately, Willie can no longer be ridden because of Ringbone. He is the epitome of a gentle giant, 15 years old, 17-hand appendix quarter horse. Big, sweet, and a personality-filled guy. I know he will bring a ton of joy and happiness to a family somewhere. And he deserves this team in return.
1: In what felt like a stroke of luck, Lindsay quickly received a promising response to her ad for Willie. It seemed like the perfect fit. The message came from a woman named Fallon Blackwood.
2: Fallon messaged me from the Craigslist post the next day, on the 25th. And she said, is Willie still available? I'm a vet school student and have been looking for a companion horse for my barrel horse gelding. I would love to talk to you more about Willie. He sounds like the ideal horse for what I'm looking for.
1: Fallon told Lindsay that she was looking for a horse who could be a companion for her barrel horse, which is a horse used for barrel racing. Everything Fallon said made Lindsay feel better about her decision to rehome Willie, so
2: she calls me and we speak on the phone, and she asked me all of the questions that I would have asked someone in her shoes. She seemed very well educated and well versed and made me feel really comfortable. He's gonna be able, you know, she was asking about his medical history. I was talking about the ringbone. She's like, oh, I can get, you know, Prevocox from school and um, this, that, and the other, and just really reassured me that he was going to have the best retirement life. Fallon asked Lindsay what medications Willie
1: was taking, and then she said she could easily obtain those medications for him at Tuskegee University where she was attending veterinary school. Lindsay was comforted by how thorough Fallon was during their conversation. So they made arrangements for
2: Fallon to come and meet Willie in person. And then January 28th, she came out to meet him. And I was kind of surprised because she pulled up with a horse trailer. But she also came from like three and a half hours away. So she comes in and, you know, I was just grooming him and she met him and... You know, we talked a little bit, and then she said, okay, well, you know, I'll take him.
1: Lindsay wasn't prepared to say goodbye to Willie that day.
2: And it wasn't
1: what she and Fallon had discussed previously on the phone. And yet, she was torn. Fallon checked all the boxes. And she'd made the drive from a little town in eastern Alabama, three and a half hours away.
2: I excused myself for a second I said, you know, I need to, I need to go make a phone call. And I went to the car and... I called, again, my then-boyfriend, now-husband Nick, and I was just in tears, and I said, look, you know, she's she's here, and she wants to take him now, and I'm just not emotionally prepared for this. I didn't think he was leaving today. And he said, look, Lindsay, like, this is, you know, this this is a good thing, and, you know, you're, you're doing what's best for him. He's going to a good home.
1: Lindsay made the difficult decision to do what she felt was best for Willie, to send him home with Fallon. But as a last minute precaution, Lindsay asked Fallon to sign a handwritten contract stating that should Fallon ever decide to find a new home for Willie, Lindsay would have the first opportunity to buy him back.
2: So she filled it out, signed it, and I remember at that point I told her, not many people knew, but I said, the big reason why I have to find him a home is, you know, I'm I'm pregnant. And she's like, oh, congratulations. And I remember hugging her and thanking her and saying, like, I'd love to set up a time to come visit him in the next couple of weeks. And she said, yeah, sure. And I went into the barn and I heard him scream for me. <laughs> and I cried. And that was the last time I saw him. <laughs>
1: Over the next few days, Lindsay reached out to Fallon to see how Willie was doing at his new home. But Fallon's responses were few and far between, and she could never seem to find the time to take a photo of him, despite the fact that she'd told Lindsay that he was living on her property. All of Lindsay's fears came to a head on that morning in Elizabeth's barn on February 6th, just a week after Lindsay had sent Willie home with Fallon Blackwood. You're probably already aware of Cast's new true crime investigative podcast, Lost in Panama. But if you haven't caught up, new evidence and testimony has recently been uncovered in the most recent episodes. It is shining new light on this case. The first four episodes of the series set up the foundation of what is known about this case, including a deep dive into the suspicious tour guide, The Mysterious Photos, and the remains. But episode five launches a whole new direction of investigation into this case. A woman connected to the confirmed homicide of her own son tells us that she knows the same men responsible for her son's death are also responsible for Chris and LaSanne's deaths. Not only that, but she presents to our team a full, detailed story of exactly what happened, how the women were abducted and killed. And somehow it all adds up all the pieces start to fit together, or at least start to make more sense. As time begins to run out on the investigation, but with this major breakthrough in hand, the team in Panama must attempt to assemble a compelling enough theory of the case in order to push the Panamanian government to admit that there's more going on here than meets the eye. We need them to reopen this case so that a much closer look can be taken at all the new evidence coming to light, and the families affected can finally find some closure all these years later. Will they do it? Listen to all episodes of Lost in Panama, available now wherever you get your podcasts. On February 6th, 2018, a week after saying goodbye to her horse, Willie, Lindsay learned the truth about his new owner, Fallon Blackwood.
3: Yeah, that day in the barn, I mean, it, it was horrible. It was it was gut-wrenching to have to look at Lindsay and tell her that, you know, essentially she made a horrible decision, you know, giving Willie to
1: Fallon. This is Elizabeth Montgomery. When Lindsay expressed her concern for Willie, Elizabeth searched for the name Fallon Blackwood in her private horse rescue Facebook group.
2: Fallon had been flagged as a name working in association with kill buyers. Kill buyers are people who take horses from auction and send them to slaughter. So I collapsed.
3: I mean, she was absolutely devastated. Um, but at the time, once I guess kind of the shock and everything um wore off a little bit. It really just put both of us in the mindset of, okay, well, now what do we do? How can we how can we try to find him? How can we get to the bottom of this? How can we expose what
1: she's doing? Horse slaughter is illegal in the United States. Kill buyers will buy horses in the US and then transport them over the border to Mexico or Canada, where the horses are slaughtered for both animal and human consumption. The horses that are sent to slaughterhouses over the border are often crammed into crowded trailers with no food or water. There's no care taken for horses who might be sick or injured. It's difficult to imagine your pet in that situation. Lindsay knew that if there were any chance of getting Willie back from Fallon, she'd have to act quickly.
2: I was so upset. And I was thinking, okay, well, you can't. Get a fly with vinegar, so I'm going to try with honey. She sent Fallon a
1: text, deciding not to let Fallon know that she knew what she was up to. Instead, Lindsay played nice and just told Fallon she wanted her horse back. And
2: she didn't respond.
1: Lindsay was undeterred. She switched her approach and decided to shout her story from the rooftops.
2: February 25th, 2018, I created the Facebook page, Finding Willie, and very quickly it erupted. And all of a sudden, people were coming out of the woodworks being like, holy cow, this happened to me too, by her. And it just blew up overnight. Soon, Fallon caught wind of the Facebook page. And she called me the next day, like in tears and hysterics, asking me to take it down. Now, I was back at that barn with my friend who had brought to my attention who Fallon really was. And so she's recording my conversation with her.
1: Fallon pleaded with Lindsay to delete the page. And Lindsay said she would, if Fallon would just give Willie back. But Fallon said she no longer had Willie. She told Lindsay this long and convoluted story about how she'd sold Willie to a horse buyer, who had then sold him to a family with small children. Lindsay demanded the contact information of the horse buyer or the family that the buyer had sold Willie to. Fallon didn't want to provide it, unless Lindsay took down the Facebook page. This is a call between Lindsay and Fallon, recorded by Lindsay's friend, Elizabeth.
2: I will not delete the page. If you don't send me that number, a sheriff will be finding you. I will
4: send you information. I just don't want my name all on
2: Facebook. Why is this about uh, you and your reputation? Yeah, your reputation to be a good horse buyer? Are you kidding me? You did this no, to yourself. I, you dug your own grave. I know that. I know that. And, and, I'm, and I'm
4: trying my best to make this right. I just don't want my school wise. Up.
2: You are a fucking professional con artist, and it is not right, and I will make sure you don't do this again. I'm sorry if this is your business, but if you're in vet school, maybe you should focus on using your education right. for good, should, for good. I should, focus, I should focus on my education. You're right. If I
1: can't see the page, I'll give you the information. I just don't want this all over Facebook. Eventually, Fallon relented and provided Lindsay with the phone number of the family Willie had been sold to.
2: She gives me the number, and so I do I do right by my word, and I said, okay, like, I'm going to take the site down. So I turned it off, and then I started calling that number. Well, the person couldn't answer, so they're texting me.
1: As the text came through from Willie's supposed new family, Lindsay immediately sensed that, yet again, Fallon was lying to her.
2: So then that family gets in touch with me and I am like 99% sure it was found. So this person, Heather White calls me to say that they purchased Willie for their child. I said, well, you know, Willie is not safe to ride. You shouldn't put your child on him. And I'm trying to, at this point, I know who I'm talking to, but I say, you know, you're in possession of stolen goods and I need to get my horse back. She's like, well, I'm gonna need to talk to my husband about this. And she hung up and I never heard from her again.
1: Lindsay had had it with Fallon. She put the Facebook page back up and it quickly became clear why Fallon was so concerned about Lindsay going public with her story. In the initial first
2: week, I think it was at least five people who had no idea that they were scammed by her, too, until they saw the Finding Willie page.
1: Oh, they didn't know they had been scammed? No. Oof. Okay. They just knew that they had given their horse to Fallon, and then when they saw your post, they realized that they had been scammed? Exactly. Lindsay made good on her promise to Fallon. She reached out to not just local law enforcement, but also to the local news. Soon, the story picked up speed, and Fallon had more to worry about than just the Facebook
2: page. And from there, I started getting contacted by a lot of news outlets. So uh, one of the news outlets that is still covering the story was Fox 5 Atlanta, Randy Travis. And he came out and did, like, a three-part series. And from there, the story grew.
1: Other local stations around the South were picking it up. And in Tennessee, a woman named Lucia Damoth was watching.
5: Macon County Sheriff's Office say 23-year-old Fallon Blackwood had been going around the Southeast purchasing horses, saying she had good intent, but then taking them to the auction, with a chance of being sold to a slaughterhouse. And my heart absolutely sunk. I mean, Fallon has a very distinct look to her, and the minute I saw the face, I was like, oh my God. Um, So I I ran to my phone and uh, I messaged her, and I was like, you have a contract with me, where are my horses?
1: One year earlier, in 2017, Lucia Damoth found herself in a situation similar to Lindsay's. She was a busy mom, working full-time, and looking to
5: find a new home for her horses. My daughter Ava absolutely loved them. But then as time went on, you know, time just, I ran a restaurant full time. So that was 80 hours a week um, that we were working, plus raising a child. She had two horses who were older. And
1: like Lindsay, she'd been looking for anyone who needed a companion animal or might just want them as what's known as pasture ornaments. Basically a horse that you have around as a pet, not to ride.
5: She had actually had a post-up at the time, I believe, and and... That's how I became, you know, how I started talking to her is is she had a barrel racing horse. The horse looked good. The pictures looked great. The pasture looked beautiful. The facility she had posted looked amazing and was looking for um, just a buddy for him. She promised me a pasture for him. She said that she fed high quality alfalfa hay. She said that, you know, this horse would be kept with her forever. I told her there would be a contract she would have to sign if she did take her that says that if for some reason she can't, the horse would come back to me.
1: But of course, it was all a lie. And Lindsay and Lucia were just the tip of the iceberg. Even with local news outlets reporting the story about Fallon Blackwood and the Facebook page and dozens and dozens of victims coming forward, Fallon was seemingly unaffected. This came as a shock to her victims.
2: She was very much living a normal life alongside this con life. And she still is living a normal life, to my knowledge. She does have horses. Uh, She was competing um, at rodeos.
1: Pursuing legal action against Fallon was tricky. Her alleged fraud had taken place in different states across the Southeast. And Fallon wasn't stealing horses from pastures in the middle of the night. The people whose horses she took gave them to her voluntarily. And not everyone had made Fallon sign a contract.
4: Uh, They gave up their horses. Willingly.
1: This is Debbie Metcalf, the president and founder of Net Posse, an organization dedicated to helping victims of horse theft. As Lindsay's Facebook page, Finding Willie, got more and more traction, Debbie Metcalf was getting tagged on the page. People were asking if she could help. Net Posse has an online database where people can list their stolen or missing horses. They've even had success helping people locate them. And Lindsay thought, maybe this could help her find Willie.
4: I was horrified at what happened to Willie, and I'd already been hearing Fallon's name from other places. So I have a suspicion that Willie was not the only horse that she had taken. So with Lindsay's permission, she listed her horse with us. She was the first victim that did. We took her story and sent it out publicly Not only to help find Willie, but to also help find other people that Fallon had victimized. In tandem with the publicity from
1: Lindsay's Facebook page, Fallon's victims were coming forward in droves.
4: I learned from all the different people that came to us after that. We have 63 horses listed on NetPosse.com.
1: That's 63 instances of Fallon Blackwood allegedly adopting people's horses under false pretenses.
4: She would swoop in, sometimes with a trailer, as she did with Lindsay, ready to take the horse when the people weren't ready to give the horse. But she was very convincing. Almost every case that we came in contact with, there was a good reason these people were trying to find homes for the horses. All of these people could have sold them at an auction if that's all they cared about was money. But no, they cared about the horses, and they wanted somebody to take them and love them like they had. Fallon
1: made no effort to hide her identity or switch tactics. For the most part, she used her real name and gave everyone the same story. And a lot of what she said was true. She was attending veterinary school, and she was in the barrel racing circuit. But she wasn't looking for a companion horse.
4: In every case that we had, it was cookie cutter. The same things happened the same way each time, pretty much. And the same information was given to the victims. And the only thing that we could determine was true was her name and that she was a vet student. That's the only thing that was true. Fallon was
1: acting as what's called a runner, someone who brings horses to auction houses where the clientele are meat buyers. This is Lindsay again.
2: A lot of it is still under investigation, but usually how it works, and this is what I would imagine it to be, she was likely a runner. And because she was in vet school, she was young, she had a backstory, she was able to gain people's trust. And I believe she was the runner for a larger conglomerate of individuals. So maybe she only got a small piece of the pie, but I believe she was getting a piece of the pie.
1: This is Elizabeth Montgomery again. And we we brought all
3: of these things to light. And um, everybody said, oh, she, you know, surely she'll get kicked out of vet school. And she didn't. You know, she didn't get out of vet school. She graduated. And so there's just a lot of things that are disheartening
1: Despite the allegations against Fallon, she was allowed to continue her education at Tuskegee University. But she does not hold any veterinary licenses in Alabama. While we can speculate that Fallon's primary motivation was money and that, perhaps ironically, she was using it to pay for veterinary school, this wasn't a particularly lucrative con. Fallon was driving hours across state lines to pick up horses that she would maybe get $300 for. After travel expenses and auction house fees, she was probably taking home less than half of that.
3: You know, I think she grew up, from what I understand, probably not a lot of money. She she did the barrel horses and barrel racing. I mean, she obviously has some appreciation for horses. I'm not sure where that motivation or how you, like I said, kind of live that double life of on one hand um, having and caring for Um, your own horse and whatnot, and then having no regard for the life of other horses. I think that's always been sort of a mind boggle for us. This is Lindsay
1: again.
2: I don't think she's much younger than me. And the, the real irony of it all is, I don't know if she was aware at the time, but I found out she ended up giving birth to a daughter about a month after I gave birth.
1: Lindsay and her friend Elizabeth were both checking messages on the Facebook page, and not all of them were coming from Fallon's victims. Others came in from people who knew Fallon or lived in the same community. They wanted to stay anonymous, but offered their own insight on how Fallon rationalized her con.
3: What we did learn about her is, I mean, she was in a very rural community in Alabama. There's, there's definitely a
1: different mindset there, too. Horses live in this gray area between pet and livestock animal. Lindsay viewed her horse, Willie, as a pet. But not everyone sees their horses that way.
3: When you talk to people who are used to raising animals as livestock, um, which horses are considered livestock, they are not considered companion animals like a dog or a cat, you know, and that type of thing, Um, that a lot of times those people's mindset towards horses is a little bit different.
1: In April of 2018, Fallon's con seemed to finally be catching up with her. She was arrested on campus at Tuskegee University, but not because of what she did to Lindsay. A farm owner in North Carolina had rehomed two horses with Fallon, believing that she would provide them a retirement home, but became suspicious when Fallon wouldn't send any photos of them. He called the police.
5: She was arrested last week in Alabama, charged with obtaining property under false pretense, and will soon be transported to North Carolina to be tried. For Farrell her heart aches for the horse she learned how to ride on.
4: No horse owner wants to hear the fact that, oh, your horse may be going to slaughter.
1: In October of 2018, Fallon was indicted by the state of Alabama on 19 counts of acquiring a horse under false pretense with intent to defraud. This led to her second arrest in January of 2019 at a rodeo in Blount County, Alabama. Lindsay has also sought the help of an attorney for her own case against Fallon Blackwood.
2: But here we are four years later and we still haven't seen her in court. So there has been a trial that keeps being continued for COVID reasons and other reasons. We were supposed to go in January and it was continued again. So that hearing is the state of Alabama versus Fallon. And we're waiting to hear when the next date will be to appear.
1: As a result of her court case in North Carolina in October of 2019, Fallon was fined $1,600. She was ordered not to own or be around horses, even at rodeos, for two years. Like so many of her victims, Fallon seems to have a genuine love of horses. She put herself through vet school and actively competes as a barrel racer and seemingly has all her life.
3: Yeah, it was, I mean, it was obvious that she needed the money for vet school, you know, that she was doing it to make money. It was easy money, you know, for her to make. Um, I, I mean, when you think about it, like I said, I mean, she was preying on unsuspecting people who many of them were having some type of kind of life trauma crisis I mean, there were people whose homes had burned down. There were people who were sick, you know, with cancer. I mean, there were just all these situations. And she prayed on that um, because these people were doing what they thought was best for their horse. Because who doesn't trust somebody who's going to be a veterinarian?
1: Lindsay's Facebook page, Finding Willie, is still up and running. She keeps an eye on the auction houses most notorious for sending horses to slaughter over the border. And every time there's a big gray horse, she feels a glimmer of hope that just maybe it's Willie.
2: It just infuriates me that she's had such a hold on my life for so long. I just want to be able to take control again and, you know, do what I need to do to enjoy life at the same time. I know my purpose has changed, and a huge part of my purpose is being an advocate for horses and trying to stop the slaughter pipeline. And it's hard, because every time it's it's like— it's kind of gross, but it's like you're just ripping that scab back open, and it just feels as fresh today as it did the last day I saw him.
1: Under her current bond conditions, Fallon Blackwood is not allowed to leave the state of Alabama, except to attend court proceedings nor is she allowed to transport any animals that do not belong to her. But she is allowed to own her own horse, and she's already back to competing on her local rodeo circuit.
5: no, 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 Now we move to Fallon Blackwood, next to go. And we're off to the races. Watcher had a good run yesterday. Fallon Blackwood off to number two now. Gonna get around that one. She had a clean run yesterday. Mixed out, Gillen's gonna get around the third one, and we're gonna knock it down.
1: We reached out to Fallon Blackwood for this story. We did not hear back. The Opportunist is a cast original podcast. It's produced by me, Hannah Smith, along with Pasha Eaton, Natalie Gregory, Kate Mays, and Sarah Dalgleish. Colin Thompson is our executive producer. Anton Doty is our editor. The show is mixed and mastered by Matt Sewell. Our cover art is by Arvin Lee. The ending credits song is Waltz for Zachariah on the album Show Late by Blue Dot Sessions. If you're enjoying The Opportunist, I would love it so much if you would take a moment, go to wherever you listen, and subscribe to the show. Um, It also helps us a lot if you can rate and review the show, specifically on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show. So thank you so, so much.
0: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block.